Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Well, hey, special treat. So uh, I'm not preaching today. That's your special treat. There you go. I guess a special treat for me is that I get an extra week off or something like that. Actually, I'm not off. I'm working all week. Y'all think I, y'all think pastors only work on Sunday. But uh, So here's the deal. They told me when I had my shoulder surgery, I was going to be out for quite a while. And, and so I asked my friend and fellow pastor Jake to come and cover for me. That, that, but that's not really the primary reason he's preaching today because I'd already asked him to preach later, but I asked him to move it for my surgery. So anyway, but here's the reason. Think about this. We're doing a series on the five solas. He's got two of them tattooed on him. There is no one in Grace Life that is more worthy to preach the Five Solas series. I might take another one. You know, I might take your right arm off in a couple. Because his left arm is what I'm taking off today because he's got on his left arm. But his right arm might give me another week off. I don't know. We're just going to keep doing this. But anyway, will you help me welcome Jake Wicker, everyone. Well, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be up here, and it's kind of a unique Sunday for me because this is the first time in a long time I've preached. Uh, see, I, uh, I was a pastor for six years, uh, pastored a church down in Florida, then we moved up here um, to Columbia and pastored a church here in the area, and I got really sick. And it became clear uh, by consulting several doctors that there wasn't a pathway for me to heal unless I took some of the stress and responsibilities off my plate. And like Jimmy just said, right? You do more as a pastor than just on Sunday, right? It's, it's, it's all day, every day, yeah. And so, um, so this is a special treat for me as well because, you know, this is back in the flow of what I used to do every Sunday. And I want to say a thank you to Jimmy because when you're a pastor, there is a weight that you have on your shoulders to shepherd people. And you have to protect this, right, of what people are hearing and what they are receiving, make sure it's the word. And so I want to say thank you to Jimmy publicly for that, because that's a special treat as well. Before we get into this, man, let, let's pray. God, I pray that I would have the spirit that John had in the Bible where he said, let me decrease so you can increase. God, because we know while I enjoy this and we enjoy speaking, it's really about you. God, and we do what we do because we want to be your mouthpiece and we want your truth to, to just permeate this place. I pray that you would open hearts and minds and that they would be ready to receive whatever it is that you have them to receive today and that you would get all the glory and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're right smack dab in the middle of the Sola series, right? The five Solas and we uh, heard last week about Solo Deo Gloria and I have the unique privilege of preaching Solus Christus. As Jimmy said, it's on my left arm. And uh, I've got this tattooed, I believe in it, and, and this is our life right here. And so what I want to do today is talk to you a little bit about why Jesus is the only way for everyone. Now that's, uh, woo, yeah. people get in all types of their feelings, right, when you make a bold statement like that, because we don't necessarily like concrete, objective statements. So when you hear a statement like that, different people get different types of feelings, and different types of emotions. I can remember several 
Years ago, when we were living in Maryland, uh, I was working at a brand new startup company. I was friends with the guys who started it, first hire they made, and there was about five of us that were working uh, on this particular night, and we were dependent upon people calling in and, and inquiring about our services and what we were doing. Well, phones were just dead. There was nobody calling in. We had done all of our work, and, and so you know what we're doing? We're just shooting the breeze. We're just talking and chilling and just laughing, having a good time. One thing led to another, and the, the conversation gets deeper and deeper and deeper until eventually people are talking about what they believe. Okay, here is my you know, religion, if you will. And so one person shares, another person shares. Now, mind you, this is a startup, so there was no policy about what you could and couldn't talk about at work. So it was just whatever came out, came out. Now they came to me and they knew that I was in seminary and they knew that I wanted to be a pastor. And so they said like, Jack, what, what is it that you believe? And you know what I told them? I didn't use this word, but I told them solus Christus. What I told them was, I believe what the Bible says. You see, the Bible says that we've got a problem and that problem is sin, right? So I've made a choice to go against God's standard. And, and do it my way. Well, when I sin, immediately that relationship with God is broken. And that broken relationship with God has consequences from there on out all throughout eternity. Eternal loss, eternal separation, eternal darkness. It's real. And we're hopeless and helpless. We can't do anything to repair that relationship. But God. But God is good and gracious and loving and he had a plan and Jesus is good and gracious and loving and he came and he stepped in and he died in my place and in your place. And he went to the grave, but he didn't stay there because on the third day he came back alive more than ever. But guess what? Sin and death stayed in the grave. So he won. And the Bible says that if I respond to that by faith through Jesus alone, then I have that relationship repaired, and now I have a different eternal consequence, eternal life and hope and joy and peace, and the list goes on and on and on. And that's what I believe, solus Christus. Now, they were respectful, but I, I'm pretty sure not one of them agreed. In fact, there was one guy who came up, and he was like, Jake, so you're telling me that a Buddhist monk who devotes his entire life and goes, sits on a mountaintop and eats plants and prays and seeks God his entire life, and then he dies, but he didn't believe what you believed. He didn't believe in Jesus as the only way. He's not going to experience eternal life and everything you talked about. He's like, I, I don't know about that. I just can't accept that. Now, I really don't think this man had... He was sticking up for Buddhist monks. I don't, I don't think he even knew a Buddhist, let alone a Buddhist monk. What he was saying was he didn't like what he heard because he didn't agree with it, because to him it sounded intolerant. Yeah, that, that word, right? It sounded narrow-minded. And maybe that's happened to you in life, right? Where you have experienced that maybe with family members or, or you've been at work or, or with friends at a hobby or whatever and you're just talking about your faith and now they're like, well, wait a second, that's, that's small-minded of you, that's intolerant of you. I, I don't think you should, you should think that way. But man, there is evidence 
to prove that Jesus is the only way for everyone. It's not some intolerant belief system. It is actually a very loving belief system and it is a reasonable belief system and that's why I want to look at this. But now we've got to understand that even though it's reasonable and there's evidence, it still requires faith because it doesn't matter what you believe in. You could be a Buddhist, you could be a Mormon, you could be a Muslim, you could be atheist, you could be agnostic, you could have science as your religion. It doesn't matter. Whatever your belief system is requires some amount of faith. And so too does Christianity. But it's not a blind faith. It is a faith that is real based on evidence. Now, I think that there is something in this message for everybody, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. You could just be starting out and seeking and saying, okay, I've heard about this Jesus, I wanna learn more. Or maybe you could be on the other spectrum and said, I have heard about Jesus, I don't like what I hear because he seems kind of intolerant and not a good dude. Or you could be somewhere in between. See, what I want to do today is I want to present you with evidence to prove to you that Jesus is the only way so that you might experience what he has for you. But let's say you've already made that decision and you're already following Jesus. You're, You're a seasoned vet at this thing. Or maybe you're just started the journey. Here's what I want you to see. I still want to point you to the way because you want to know why? Christians still need the gospel every single day. The gospel isn't just something that I hear and I make a decision and that's all I need. No, we need the gospel to keep us at the feet of Jesus so his love and his grace and his mercy continually pour over us and then we respond in that love and out of that love with obedience and letting our light shine. So I don't care where you're at on your spiritual journey, you need to listen to this too. Now there's a lot of different passages I could go to to show you evidence. But there's one in particular passage that really stuck out to me because I had been reading it in my own uh, personal time. And uh, then when Jimmy came and asked me to preach this, I was like, wow, yeah, that's what I'm talking about because it really hit me hard. It just resonated. I'm like, man, it's right there. It is right there. The evidence and the proof. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2. And we're going to kick things off in verse chapter one. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later. Now, Capernaum was sort of his home base during his ministry, his season of ministry. So he would spend a lot of time there. And what is happening in the prior verse is he had just healed a leper, right? And uh, lepers didn't, didn't get rid of leprosy. Like there was no cure. That didn't happen when he got, when he healed the leopard, that healing went viral and the, the crowds came out of the woodworks. They were coming to see who this man was. Who is this man that can heal the lepers? We got to see him. And so the text says that he couldn't even go into a town. It was so packed. So he goes into the backwoods trying to escape and be around the people who are just in the secluded areas, but that still didn't work because people are coming to find him everywhere. Now, apparently he escaped, maybe under the cover of night, back to Capernaum. And this is where we pick it up. So he goes back home. But his, his solitude didn't last very long. It says, the news spread very quickly that Jesus was there. Y'all heard of things going viral, right? That's what it happened. Jesus being there went viral. And, and you got to understand the community that they lived in, that's how things went viral. 
They lived to invite people in. They lived with people every single day. So when somebody said, oh, yo, Jesus is here, guess what? It spread quickly. Then you jump to verse two, and now what happened? Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. You understand what it's saying? Jesus is there. So many people come in. The house is full. The doorway is full, and it's spilling out into the streets. They're just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. They're just trying to hear a whisper of Jesus because this man teaches in an amazing way. So what is Jesus doing? It says that he is teaching the word of God. Well, teaching the word of God was his main mission. But what we don't see in the English text here is that it wasn't just the word of God. It was specifically the gospel. In the Greek, it says he was teaching the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The Romans had this this thing that they would do when a new king came to rule. They would send these sort of couriers out from house to house and house and say, hey, good news, a new king is here and he's gonna rule over you and reign over you and help you. Guess what Jesus is doing? He's saying a new king is here and he's gonna rule over you, reign over you and rescue you. So he's there carrying out his mission, preaching the gospel. But while he's preaching the gospel, something interesting is happening. It says in verse three, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. I don't know about you if you know anybody that's paralyzed, but that's life changing. My grandfather had several strokes and he was paralyzed on the left side of his body. But even though he couldn't do really much of anything because of the technological advancements of the wheelchair and they had lifts to lift him out of the bed and into the wheelchair, my grandmother in her 60s and 70s was able to bring him home almost every day for 20 years. It's not easy, but in this day and age, they make life livable because of all the advancements. Guess what? They didn't have any of that back then. So this man was completely dependent upon other people to get out of bed, to get dressed, to get food, to bathe, to do anything and everything. He was dependent upon other people. Thankfully, he has some good friends. So these friends, right, these these five guys, the four friends and the paralyzed man, hear the news, Jesus is in town. And you know what they knew? That this man had no hope. There wasn't a surgery or or a wheelchair or any type of treatment that could help him. He had no hope until they heard about Jesus. And they said, he is the only way to be healed. And so guess what? They picked him up and they ran there. We're going to the only way to heal you. Problem is, when they get there, what what was wrong with the house? It was packed. Ain't nobody getting in there. Right, so they get there, and guess what? You know, you know how sometimes people are at church, you know, we're, we're worshiping Jesus. Hey, you ain't getting by me, though. Listen, I, I don't care who you are. I got here first, right? So that was sort of the way it was there, too. They couldn't get by. They couldn't get to see Jesus, but you know what? They said, he's the only way. We're not going to let this deter us. We're not running away. So what they did was they went up under the roof of the house. Now, houses these days had stairs. A lot of houses had stairs attached to the side where you could get up onto the roof. I'm not exactly sure why they did this often. I don't know if they were just chilling up there or what, but they, they had stairs. So these four guys carry their buddy up there to the stairs, and they get on the roof, and they start ripping a hole in the roof. Could you imagine being there, listening to Jesus, all of a sudden seeing these little chunks of mud and stuff fall on you? Like, what in the world is Jesus? He's not returning. He's right here. Like, what's going on? 
What's happening? And so they're just ripping. And you would imagine it's got to be a pretty big hole, right? Probably if he's average, like five and a half, six feet long, two feet wide, it's a big hole. But they believed and they said, he's the only way. And we're not going to let anything stop us. And so the text says they lowered the man down in front of Jesus. There was no way Jesus was going to miss this man. He comes right down at his feet. And so Jesus saw this whole thing and responds in a very amazing way. He saw their faith. He saw their response of faith. And he turns to the paralyzed man and he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now that seems odd maybe to us as a modern reader, like, oh, Jesus, that's cool and all, but my man needs to walk. Like, can you help the legs? All right, like, ugh. But, man, that, that verse is so deep that there's a lot of things I just don't have time to bring out. That's, that's one of the hardest parts of being a pastor and preaching is the part you can't share. You spend so much time studying, it's like, oh, I got to take that out, I got to take that out. But that's so deep. But what I want to point out to you is the statement that he is making is, is like, it's like mic drop. It's powerful. It's earth shattering what he says when he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. And we'll see how powerful it is when we come to verse six. In verse six, he says, but some of the teachers of religious law, these were like experts. These were scholars, right? Maybe even like religious lawyers. They knew the law inside and out. They had it all up here. They're sitting there, right? And they're chilling. They're doing their thing. And, and it Seems like they got there first, you know? They're like, oh, we're, we're the best. We're going to sit, or else they thought they were entitled to a front row seat, whatever. But they're, they're sitting there, and they heard Jesus say, my child, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me? What? What just happened? What is he saying? Because to them, that was blasphemy. Why? Because only God can forgive sins. You see, blasphemy was a serious charge. If you got convicted of blasphemy, guess what? You were taken outside and you were stoned to death. It was punishable by death. Blasphemy is basically, uh, you're disrespecting God's name. Because you're saying you can do something as a human that only God can do. How dare you? You should be killed. So they got it without getting it. Yeah. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah, you're right. That's why his sins were forgiven. But anyway, we'll see it later. So the, this is just in their mind. They, they haven't even said a word yet. So they're just thinking it, right? Verse 8 comes along and says, Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Now, could you imagine being sitting there in the crowd and these dudes haven't said a word and all of a sudden Jesus just gets done healing, turns to them and says, why do you question this in your hearts? You'd be like, what? Who's he talking to? Like, well, I better stop thinking what I'm thinking because he can read thoughts. Something's happening here. So he turns to him and says, why do you question it? Verse 9, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Seems like a pretty simple question, doesn't it? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no measurable to say, yeah, your sins are really forgiven. But... If you don't stand up and walk, guess what? You ain't healed. It's pretty easy. But yet Jesus is trying to point something else out. It is actually harder to forgive sins. You want to know why? Because only God can do that. Is it harder 
to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk. It's actually the hardest to say your sins are forgiven because if you or I are in that place, it's plausible that they might get up and walk. Not likely, not probable, but it's plausible. Crazier things have happened. But ain't no way their sins are gonna be forgiven because you're not God, I'm not God, and we never will be. But you know what? Jesus has had enough. He's like, this is his mic drop moment. He said, you know what? Forget that, verse 10. Let's just, let's just kill two birds with one stone. So I will prove to you, I'm gonna give you evidence that the Son of Man, that was Jesus referring to himself, that I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm gonna give you all the evidence you need to know that I am God. And you know what that evidence is? He turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Now this is the moment of truth, y'all. Because if that man stand, doesn't stand up, Jesus is just a lunatic. He's just a, he's just a loony bird spitting some things, and he's worth, worthy of blasphemy, worthy of death. But if he does get up, guess what? It proves that he's able to forgive sins, which proves he is God. Woo! So guess what happens in verse 12? And a man jumps up. Y'all, I had surgery on my ankle, and I was off my ankle for 10 weeks. When I got out of that cast, I touched my cap, and it's just like, it looked like jello, you know? And then I start to try and walk, and I'm like this, you know? I couldn't walk. This man had been paralyzed, and he jumps up. Are you kidding me? Like, do you see the little details? Like, that's amazing to me. He had complete healing, complete power, like nothing had ever been wrong with him before. And he does exactly what Jesus told him to do. He picks up his mat and he starts walking through the stunned onlookers. Jaws dropped. What am I looking at right now? I had heard Jesus doing these things, but now I'm seeing it. Mind blown. And what happened? It says they turned and they praised. They were amazed and praised God. You see, this man was healed. And that healing proved Jesus could forgive sins, which proved he is God. And when Jesus heals you, it changes everything. Now this man could get out of bed on his own. Now this man could dress himself. Now this man could feed himself. Now he could go hang out with his friends on his own. He could get a job. His life was transformed because he had been healed. And I don't think we often see how excited he might have been through that healing. We just say, oh yeah, he was healed. Cool, great story. I want you to get a grasp for how he might have felt. I recently came across a video that's gone viral. You might have seen it. It's of a four-year-old girl who has cerebral palsy, and she walked for the first time on her own. Check this video out. Come here. He's walking. You guys. <laughs> I even did the big step. 
that was a big marching step. Why don't you straighten your toes out a little bit? She's got another little. You got some really good balance going. She is walking. Without my All I gotta say, if that doesn't tug on your heartstrings, you might need to check your pulse because I don't know if your heart's still there or not. You see how excited she was? I'm walking! I don't need a cane, I'm walking! How do you think the paralyzed man felt? I'm walking! I'm walking! His life was changed. He had been healed by the only way he could be healed, and that was Jesus. Because they heard the stories, they had been presented with evidence, and they believed, and they responded with faith and came to the only one who could heal them. But don't just get caught up in the fact that he was physically healed. Don't forget verse 5. You see, Jesus healed him spiritually. Jesus transformed him spiritually. By faith, they came to the only way they could be healed spiritually, and that was Jesus. And Jesus said, my son, your sins are forgiven. They're no more. That relationship with God has been made right. Yeah. Man, when Jesus heals you, it changes you. Y'all, if you don't, Remember anything I said today. I have this thing I used to do. I called it a sticky note. The reason I call it a sticky note is because the reason you have a sticky note is you write a little note up there and you put it somewhere you don't forget it. And so this is my sticky note. It says, Jesus' actions prove he is the only way for everyone. You see, the fact that he healed the paralyzed man proved that he had the power and authority to forgive sins, which proved he is God. And if he is God, it proves everything else about him. And I don't have the verses up there, but in John 14, 6, Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He made a concrete statement that I am the only way to be healed spiritually. But, he doesn't just heal a person, and he didn't just come for people based on their, their, their background or their family or their, their color or their religious heritage. He came for humanity, as John 3.16 said. God loved the world that he came so that anyone who believes by faith and they respond won't die. They'll live forever. And Jesus' actions, the fact that he healed the paralyzed man, proves that he is the only way for everyone. So the question you've got to answer is this, is this real? If you're here and you are a Christian, you still have to answer this question, is this real? Because we so often try, listen, we live in a broken world, y'all, and we get hurt all the time, don't we? And it is so easy to try and find healing and comfort in everything else other than Jesus. 
But if that story is real in Mark chapter two, then Jesus is the only source of healing initially at salvation and continually throughout the rest of our lives. So if this story is real, we need to come to Jesus at his feet, just like the paralyzed man, and let his love and his grace and his mercy and his peace flow over us and heal us. And then out of that love as it's overflowing into my life and that healing is overflowing into my life, guess what people are gonna do? When they see you're healed, they're gonna say, look at what God did. But you also might be here and you're just seeking. You've never made a commitment to Jesus. There is evidence The proof is in the pudding that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And he did exactly what the Bible said he did. He is God, and he is the only way to be healed. Now, the question is, will you respond in faith? Will you believe that he is the only way to healing? And will you come to him at his feet and say, heal me, Jesus? Entering into a relationship with the Father that leads to eternal life, eternal peace, eternal joy, all the stuff we search for all throughout this life and never find outside of Jesus. Jesus' actions prove he's the only way for everyone. Solus Christus. What I'd like for everybody to do right now is just bow your head. This is time to do business, man. If you're a Christian and you just you need healing, come to Jesus. Let that gospel push you there and let his love just flow over you. But y'all, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never come for that initial healing, that initial forgiveness of sins, what I want you to do is I'm going to say some words, okay? But what I want you to do is I want you to talk to God. And I want you just to express your heart to God. It's just simple. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I broke your heart. I know I can't do anything about it. But I believe Jesus can. I come to him by faith. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I want you to have complete control. I want you to be my Lord. Let's pray. God, man, here we are. This is all for you. We said we want to make Jesus famous in Columbia, but it starts right here. Right here where we're doing business with you. I pray that we would know and see that you are the only way for everyone and that we would either come to your feet or stay at your feet to receive your love and your healing. God, you are so good, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. You are so good. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. 
head over to gracelife.church resources, where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.